0: Welcome back to One Take, the official New Zealand Warriors podcast. Well bit of a different look today. Jacko, he's behind the scenes producer.
1: Producer, Jacko. I'm feeling good though. But when you get the big cheese in town, you gotta sometimes you gotta know your place and sit sit off camera. There
0: we go. Straight away, mm. heck of a segue. Lucky enough to be joined by the owner, the big dog, Mark Robinson, aka Robbo. Welcome. Cheers for hey, jumping mate. on.
2: Thanks for inviting me.
0: I gotta say, well, this is been a long time in the works, because of course I know you're away from the club as well, a couple of times over a few beers, you said you'd jump on the potty, but yeah. finally got it done, so it's pretty cool as a fan though, to be able to talk to the owner of the club, so yeah, uh, really appreciate yeah, it. No, I appreciate it. And uh, let's start with how you are, that's how we like to kick things off usually, Usually, there's a bit going on for you, back in New Zealand, how's yeah, things? Yeah,
2: that's really good, I'm back, um, it's been great to have my um, grandson's first birthday, um, yeah. And also to watch the Warriors win on the weekend and, you know, it's a different field over here now Mm. and I'm really excited. I think that, um, you know, they're just going to see the start of what we're going to become. For
0: sure. And I was going to ask, game day for you, what's that like? Because as a fan, I get nervous but can't imagine the emotional roller coaster you go through. Talk us through a bit about that.
2: Yeah, it sort of starts in the morning, you know, when I'm eating breakfast and stuff, mucking around with my friends and start talking and... And then when I get to the ground, you know, I get a bit quieter and then I start pacing around a bit. And then when the game starts, it's sort of go in my own little box and hide <laughs> off over there and just sort of watch the game, really. And uh, yeah. and then me and Cameron sort of get together halfway through, or you know, when we've done all our, you know, official things in the box. And then we sort of sneak off and go and watch the game on our own, you yeah. know. So, um, and then, you know, afterwards it's, you know, either, you know, doesn't matter afterwards, you're still relieved, the game's over really, mm. even if it's a win or a loss, but the win's far better.
0: Pretty good. Well, let's go back, a little bit of guess about your upbringing, because you're brought up in a rugby league family, so for those that don't know, your father's had a massive impact in kind of the history of the game here. Could you run us through a bit about your old man?
2: Yeah, just quickly, um, when I was young, um you know, I was allowed to play rugby league until I was 12, but my dad got heavily involved with the New Zealand Rugby League mm-hmm. in ninety uh, at seventy nine um, when they signed a five-year deal. And how it all happened was my father went away as a manager of the Kiwi side yeah. and the Kiwis were staying in motels and the Aussies were staying in hotels. <laughs> so my dad come back after being from the north of England, you know, we're not going to win anything unless we're on the same level. So he decided to sponsor the Kiwis on a five-year deal so they could – have the same conditions that the Aussies had back in those days and I think it worked mm. because in the beginning of the 80s, 81, 82, 83, 84, we were quite dominant over the Australian team. Mm. And then, yeah, then I just got involved, played league for 20 and then got dragged back in by Stacey Jones and Arwen um, to help Point Chev and so we did that for five or six years and then I got dragged into buying the Warriors.
0: <laughs> On point, Chev, because you're being a bit humble about it, but you got involved with the club and kind of turned them into a bit of a powerhouse in Auckland and New Zealand Rugby League. So, how did that kind of come about? Talk to us a bit about yeah, your success just, with them.
2: Well, you know, it's you go back to your club, and you know, mm. and, and all those sort of things need a bit of money and a, and, and and getting in and, and culture change, and I think that. We changed the culture and we had players coming to play for us. You know, you had to play the money, but we weren't paying overs. And then we got people like David Latu and, and Warangi and, and Jones and that played a couple of games. And, and, and then we just started building and people wanted to come to the club because we had a good social side of the club mm-hmm. afterwards. And they come down to Point Chev, and, um, and then people just wanted to come. And then we were getting top players from all the clubs coming to be a part of the family and End up winning five Fox Memorials. And uh, when we took over, it was the bottom of the third division. Mm.
0: That must have been a pretty proud moment for you. Yeah. You obviously played for the club to see it, like yeah. achieving those feats now.
2: Yeah, and I think it's cool. a team, you know, proud for all of us, you know, James and Grant and all the people that now work at the Warriors. Um, mm. I brought people in from Point Chev that work at the Warriors now, which I think is valuable for the culture and to help this club now sure. too.
0: You mentioned you got dragged into the Warriors, and you've said before on numerous occasions you never had intentions of owning the club, but I guess, how did that conversation even come about?
2: Well, it was just Rob Crude actually um, come in and harassed me for six weeks, and I said, I'm not buying a football club. (laughs) And then he finally said, oh, well, blah, 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 the percentage, and I said, only if I've got 50% say, otherwise I'm not interested, and then... They finally agreed to it, which was stupid on their behalf. But <laughs> um, and then I ended up with paying a lot less, fifty percent, and, and having fifty percent say. So once we started, they they were wanting to not put any money and didn't want to develop it. They just wanted to, you know, carve, you know, streamline it, which was already streamlined. And then so I said, look, I can't do this. I'm got, I'm out. Or well, you buy me out. And at the time, I was hoping they were going to buy me out to be fair, because it was like, what am I doing? And then all of a sudden, I ended up with it. So, but now it's like the best thing ever. Yeah, that's but unreal. I've got something that I can help New Zealand be proud of one day, and that's what's more important. It's making the New Zealanders proud, not not myself or my family. It's it's for for, for New Zealand. I'm doing it for New Zealand.
0: And it's fair to say, as soon as you took over, you were hit with some pretty interesting circumstances the relocation of the club and i think guys like cam jones stacy uh yeah cam and stacy jones have said the club wouldn't be around today if it wasn't for you how hard was that period and how much did you kind of draw back on your business leadership as well because you're running a company through a global pandemic yeah. as well
2: always more difficult than it was for me to be fair but yeah. um i think we've learned a lot from it and um you know, we've lost a lot from it. It's probably a more important thing is because we've lost our junior teams, Mm. which we're rebuilding, and um, we lost the family, we lost people, you know, we lost family life, you know, so, and they become one and they like, been in a dormitory at one point, Mm. which wasn't fair, but I think we've all learned from it, and um, I think the good thing about it is that there's players now wanting to come back to New Zealand and live in New Zealand because, you know, they miss their family so much because of it. And I think it's going to benefit us in the future.
0: For sure. Homecoming game. Oh, Jacko?
1: No, so I just want to jump off the back of that, Robo, because, like, you've spoke a lot about throughout this, you keep sort of referencing culture. And I think my biggest thing, I don't know about Benny and Loges here, but when I came here, it was noticeable that, there was a culture shift and whether you're mm-hmm. doing that deliberately or it's kind of just mm-hmm. happening because it's part of you as a person. But I suppose the business parallels between what you've done and are doing at Ortex and then you come at the Warriors, and like you said, it sort of happened yeah. begrudgingly. But the yeah. culture that you're kind of building here, is that is that a conscious thing you're doing or is that more just subconscious because the bloke you are and the people you keep around you or a bit of both maybe?
2: Well, I think that, you know, in life, you know, no one's better than anyone else, and it doesn't matter how much money you got um or what you have or what you haven't got it's it's at the end of the day we're all fucking human beings, and we all can help each other regardless of what level we're on and
0: hmm.
2: I've never tolerated people talking down to people hmm. in my business and even outside of my business, you know when people bullied people. You know, I was the first one over there to tell them to shut up. You know, and if they didn't, I'd whack them. You know, it's just <laughs> hard, the way it was. I mean, you can't do that. I don't like that because I was bullied when I was young. So when I got old enough to to look after myself and, and learn how to fight properly, Kenny Rainsfield and my best mate, Olympic wrestler, will shut up, Kenny. A better teacher <laughs> than that. You know, but you know, but it's, now that's not tolerable to fight people. So. You know, we've got to change the way people think. You know, and we've got to all help each other and look after each other. You know, and that's really important. And mm. and and if you can get that into your club, like we have it in our company, um, mate, you're only going to get better and better and grow and grow.
1: I think that's it, Robo. Because like, I know you don't like getting a rap, but like, it does feel like when you come in here that you are just one of us, and you, yeah. you know, we feel like we can go knock on Cameron's door and grab a yarn. And, mm. Um, I don't know whether that's always been the case here, but it's certainly you can kind of definitely feel a noticeable cultural shift, and I think it's something it's a testament to not only yourself, but obviously, yeah, like you said, the people that you you bring around yeah. you. Are.
2: and I think Cameron, you know, Cameron gets it, you know. Yeah, he does. Um, you, know, he, he's, um, you know, he's Lebanese in Australia. No, he would have copped a fair bit of shit when he was younger. Mm. Like a lot of Lebanese and that culture didn't in, in, in Australia, and I think Cameron, he gets it. You know, and we all get it and the coaches get it and the management get it and we all get it. You know, I was in the just down the road, St Luke's, trying to find some clothes that I've left back in New Zealand and I was having a subway and I met these island boys that were standing there. All feeding and they recognized me and so I went over and ate my lunch with them and the yard with them, you know. Imagine,
1: imagine having
0: somewhere with the Warriors been. owner yeah. Sylvia Park. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <it's> pretty fuzzy. I <laughs> eh? didn't think that That's when he me. woke up this morning. He, right? he thinks it's yarn.
1: normal, but it's like it is a it is a different thing for a the owner of a footy club to oh, be, you know what I mean?
0: And even like just being around rugby circles, like it's completely like different environment there in terms of like you wouldn't get this access to the owner Mm. of a club so it's pretty crazy you mentioned like culture and family vibe and for me like a great example of that was the homecoming game last year pack stands everyone's so passionate in the crowd but i always remember pre-kickoff i saw you walking around the field just kind (laughs) of soaking it all in can you talk to us a bit about your feelings on on that day and how special that was for you just to see everyone back at mount smart
2: Mate, you know, it was probably one of the proudest days of, since I've owned the club, mm. number one, for the fans. I mean, you know, having the boys back there and, and, the, and the, my favourite part, which I insisted on, is the tunnel and mm-hmm. them coming running out of the tunnel it was just amazing and everyone's cheering and, you know, and then the boys to put on a show like they put on and walk away with a win, I mean... There was so many people left that place happy. I mean, you can't replace that stuff.
0: No, yeah.
2: and um, that's what makes me happy is when people are walking away. You know, <laughs> cheering. Yeah, I, I don't know about you,
0: Jacko, but I feel like that was like an iconic moment in New Zealand sport.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. A, again, it's, it's one of those times, Robo, where like at the end of the day, and I've I've heard you say it publicly before, but you certainly say it privately. You just want to start creating memories as well for people, yeah. and you want to remember that that time you went to Mount Smart mm. and they ran out of the tunnel and it was packed, and you know, of course, it's amazing that they got the win. Yeah. But creating memories like that beyond just what the boys can control on the field, I think, is is probably part of the legacy. That again, whether it by subconsciously or consciously, yeah. that mm. you're kind of
2: leaving here, mate. Well, I think you know that 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 can be put in history. The same as 1995 when, agreed. when they played their first game there. If you look at the both scenarios, mm. they are exactly the same, yeah. you know, moments which are, you know, you they're never going to ever go away, those two moments. No,
0: agreed. It was like the hottest ticket in town. Everyone yeah. wanted a piece of it. And then for the remaining home games... It was sold out as well, and it kind of feels like that yeah. same vibe stuck around. I know people are really excited for this weekend. So
2: Yeah, so number three is going to be the our title, and then we've got the all three. There, there we know. go. Three, there we go. <laughs> hear you love to
0: hear it. Well, talking about the now, and I think
2: fans are pretty
0: excited, obviously, after the weekend and the start to the season, but I wanted to touch on Andrew Webster, a guy that's in the headlines a lot at the moment. Um You, you obviously had the pleasure of getting to know him and bringing him to the club, what was it about Webby that kind of made you think he's the guy to take us forward to the future?
2: Oh, you know, he's, you know, you have to really get to know or well, meet Webby. But Webby's um, emotional guy, you know, like mm. he's really happy, and you know, you can see him. But he, but he looks emotional, and he looks happy, and then he looks like that. But he's actually exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Like he has so you know mannerisms, mm. and um, mate, he's. The way he talks to the boys, the way um, he never singles any player out, he talks to them as a group. They all know who they are. They're welcome to go to his um, office, you know, the, the coaches' area. They can sit down and talk to the coaches and go through stuff. And I think that's just comes back to the culture thing, in which he's strong on is that, you know, there's no good picking someone in a team and yelling at them in a changing room. or Mm. And I think that's the biggest thing for our club because, you know, especially with the Pacific Island boys and and the culture that we have in our club, you know, they're not used to that, you know, being talked down to in front of people. And I think that's why the team's getting better and stronger and stronger because they're all talking to each other. Mm. And the coaches are just doing their job and making sure that they stick to the plan and...
0: Yeah, one example of that, Jacko, we were lucky enough to be in the sheds after the game down in Wellington, and Mm. I don't know Webby personally, but one thing I took away from it in his after-game speech, singled out Tom Arley, who I think maybe only played nine or ten minutes on the field, but mm. said he did the exact job that he asked him to do. Like as a player, perhaps you're not happy that you only got ten minutes, but to then be shouted out in front of the whole team, that's gotta be a huge lift.
1: If you want to circle back to kind of what Robbo spoke about at the top of this episode as well, when he said, you know, his approach is no one's more important than anyone else. Mm. Well, Webby goes and addresses the group after an amazing round one game where Tahu's made you know mm. 500,000 tackles yeah, and yeah. Sean mm. put on a clinic and he goes I want to make a special mention to Tom who mm. did exactly what was told of him and it's the same thing Robbo mentions you know he comes into the Warriors and no one's no one's above anyone else so I think yeah. that's what you can take away from Webby
2: mm-hmm. yeah and you know the, the one thing I love about him when he does win that's that smirk on his face gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, he's just as happy as anyone else, you know. He and goes through the relief, mate. It's just, he's smile. just got that little <laughs> grin on the side going on, you know, mm-hmm. and that's just, that's, that's just great. He
1: had it in the box uh, over the weekend, too.
2: There was, it was
1: yeah. 79.99 minutes of stress and yeah. then just a little smirk.
2: Yeah, yeah. A little yeah, smirk, yeah. Have a beer, but reset, would, go yeah, again. With him and Tolu. Mm. after the game was a beauty. Yeah,
0: well, was speaking good. of Tohu, two hundredth game as <laughs> oh, a captain, like how proud does he make you watching right. on as the owner?
2: Well, you know, you gotta that's why he's the captain, you know, that's why Tohu is Tohu. you know. He's never gonna let you down and mm. and you know, if you talk to the coaches, his very best game and his and his worst game there's just so much there's yeah. just a so small a gap that us as fans mm. wouldn't know if he had a good game or a bad game. You know, the only, the only way you'd know is if you looked at the stats. But as a player, the, the gap between them having a good game and a bad game is so small mm. that you'd never tell.
1: Tohu on that Benny Tohu's, you'd probably say as a as a pure footy fan, his best asset is his ball playing and his ability with the footy. He currently yeah. leads the NRL in tackles yeah. after three rounds. I think he's so. yeah.
0: he's made yeah. like hundred and fifty and missed three. Like you've seen yeah. me play rugby, mine yeah. would be flipped on the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Three made hundred and fifty <laughs> miss, but, yeah, the- yeah, but
2: your standoffs were never. Thought to tackle. Uh,
0: mate, mum just said, bring your jersey home clean so she doesn't have to wash it, and I was good at doing that. Never got into the tough stuff. But. The
2: best one was Grant Fox one time, and it was muddy at Eden Park. And I was watching on TV, and everyone, you couldn't even see what colour they were, and he had a couple of sprinkles up the back of his shirt. Sox. And running with a number 10 on it. Hey.
0: You need the first five. It's not just the um, (laughs) NRL side achieving success, SG Mm. Ball and and the Cup side's going really well as well. Obviously, with your involvement with kind of grassroots footy, was bringing those teams back into the club really important to you? Because we need those pathways, right?
2: Yeah, otherwise, we're going to lose players to Australia. And, you know, it's really important. And that's what we lost when we were in Australia. You know, we Mm. lost that and we're relying on other clubs like. The Dolphins, which I'm grateful of the time we've got a new team now. Mm-hmm. But they, they you know, they helped us when we we're there with players and stuff. But you know, we've got to build again, you know, we have got two more teams coming in next year, being in the NRL, so we're gonna have five times five teams next year. So so when they start at sixteen they can go all the way through to the top side so it's yeah. a proper pathway. And then I think in two thousand and twenty five it's the women's. Yeah, so we've got a big schedule on, but That's
1: one exciting. of the
2: big problems you have to that people don't realise is we're going to find places for these guys to train. Mm. We've got to find another gym, you know, because there's just not enough room here anymore for for us to have six teams. Yeah, that was gonna
1: that was gonna be my question. Sorry, Benny Robbo. Like the actual when, when you say, "Oh, it's amazing, we got new teams coming into the comp and all that," and it sounds great for fans, but what are the kind of the logistical mm. side oh, of that—what goes yeah. into putting a Harold Matts into the comp, for example—like well, without getting as a, getting as a fan, you
0: can be like, "Oh, we need these teams," and like people say it, but I've I don't think people years, realize <laughs> the work that goes into it. Like yeah. these are Australian competitions. So. Yeah.
2: we have to find a club or a facility where we can put a gym in. Mm. We can have some changing rooms. We got fields because mm. we can't do it here.
0: Mm.
2: You know, we struggle as it is. And then, when you talk about another two, three teams, you know, we need to get a, a, a proper place for the 16s and the 18s, is it 19s, I think, and then the 21s, and then the top side, the reserves top side.
1: Is that part of the long term plan, Robo? Something like that?
2: Yeah, yeah, we need to get somewhere. Um, even if it's an existing league club that we can do a partnership with that's got, you know, um, a hall where we can put gym equipment and do it properly and then it's on the grounds and adequate facilities yeah yeah. that we can um, we'll put the gyms in and then we'll we'll rent them off rent it off them and Mm. you know and and bring a bit to their club yeah probably someone around here I don't know Mm. maybe Odahoo um, Ellerslie
1: Northcote (laughs) <laughs> get okay. out to Newland Stags, mate Come on. <laughs> too far
0: <laughs> hey. well you mentioned earlier championships so I just wanted to ask your kind of legacy what you're hoping to achieve over the next couple of years as a club because talking to you outside of this it always gets the old hairs on the arm raised <laughs> every time you talk about the club you've had me ready to run through a brick wall yeah, numerous cut it, cut times so robot. yeah cut <laughs> us a bit of a highlight here tell the fans what, what you're hoping to achieve at the WARS over the next Couple of years.
2: Well, I think after the after this year, I think we'll prove that we're a far better team next year with some salary cap money that's come available. I think we'll be close to the top six, top four, and I'd hope, and I'm confident that we'll give it a good run in twenty five. There we go.
0: <laughs> I reckon. This year alone, it's been impressive already. As a fan, it's already exciting to see. So no, we, we pretty strong the in the
2: top York. eight this year. You know, you'll Easy. easily do the six to top six, maybe top four, mm-hmm. and then it's game on. Fire up, Jacko! It fire all up. Right.
1: it all starts this Sunday, Robo. We are back yeah. at Mount Smart, bro. Before we get you out here, I did want to talk to you about this weekend specifically, mate. Um, getting people down to Mount Smart, but mm. beyond that, having all three games here. Um, I know it's probably a, a day you're looking forward to on Sunday.
2: Yeah, I think it's a great day for Auckland, New Zealand, mm-hmm. well Auckland, and I think that everyone should turn up and I think it's really important for the club and for the community mm-hmm. and for what we're trying to achieve is the more people turn up and the more faith we have for the, in the public, the better we're going to get quicker and I hope you'll turn up and enjoy the ride and if I'm around to say hello, mm-hmm. I'd like to meet you.
1: He'll be down there having subway. At the uh, subway yeah, and, uh, yeah. well, everyone's <laughs> heading down to, <laughs> going to the subway, subway now, eh? Hoping yeah, yeah. to hoping to
0: have a conversation. Yeah. That's unreal. <laughs> uh, just wanted to say, Robbo, thanks for the chat. And I think, on um, behalf of all fans, myself included, love what you've. Done with the club, love the direction we're going. So grateful to have a guy that's so passionate about the club and rugby league at the helm. So love your work, mate, and excited for that championship yeah. parade in the
2: next couple of years. Yeah, thanks, it? silly, and boys for the opportunity. And um, go the fucking Warriors. <laughs> <Up> the
0: <walls>. <laughs> <laughs>